Welcome to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STRask podcast with Amy Hall and Greg Kokel. Greg, we're going to start with this first question now, if you're ready. Yep. All set. Always ready. All right. This one comes from LSJ. In response to abortion furor, a friend shared a post stating that if banning abortion was really about babies, everything involved in having a baby would be free from prenatal care and delivery to health care and schooling. I think it's a non sequitur, but not sure how to respond. Um, I don't even understand the connection. So, yeah, it's probably a non sequitur. If abortion was about babies, then everything regarding babies medically would be free medically, right? Is that, am I understanding the question properly there? I think it probably comes from the idea that if you're going to make me have a baby, then you need to pay for everything. Well, uh, okay, that's a straw man because make me have a baby doesn't apply when a woman's already pregnant. All right, first of all, a woman already has a baby. It's just inside her womb. All right, it doesn't become a baby or of course, the terms we're using now are somewhat flexible. Um, one might say it's not a baby till it comes out of the womb. Well, okay, th- th- my point is babies are human beings, and it doesn't become a valuable human being when it comes out of the womb. And, in fact, most women, um, when I say most, I mean like every woman who is pregnant who wants her child refers to her unborn as a baby. My baby's kicking me. My baby's in the first trimester. My baby's in the third trimester, whatever. It's a common way to refer to it. The question here is not forcing people to have a baby. They already have it. It is preventing them from killing the baby they already have. So the the challenge then, if it's the way you characterize it, Amy, then it, it applies to newborns. It applies to um, it to to toddlers. It applies to teenagers, for goodness sake. If you're forcing me to keep my teenager alive so I have to take care of this teenager, then you have to pay everything. It's, it's so—you can tell in my voice I'm getting a little annoyed. It's such a stupid way of arguing. Um, nobody's forcing anyone to have a baby. When a man and a woman climb in the sack together, they are participating in a behavior that naturally produces babies. Um, Apart from the rare circumstance of rape and pregnancy, no one's forcing this woman to participate in that activity. When it results in the kind of thing that is natural for the behavior, no one is forcing that either. Now, it may not be what she expected or what she wanted, but it certainly is naturally connected to the behavior. The only issue here is whether once a woman has her offspring, baby, if you will, fetus, if you will, zygote, if you will, whatever you want to call it, it still is her individual offspring whether that offspring is in her womb or not. That's the issue. And the question is, what what is the right way for us to behave towards 
children we have that are burdensome, in the way, expensive, or we just don't want. Well, killing them is not a legitimate option. That's what abortion does. But because the killing is under the cover of the womb in which the child is placed or is growing, I should say, it's not placed there, it's the mother is producing this child, then it's easy to dismiss because we're not looking at it. It's like a person, a, uh, you know, a, a B-29 bomber who doesn't feel he's killing anybody because he's at 40,000 feet or something dropping bombs on cities. He might theoretically be aware of the fact that he's killing people, but it's not the same visceral impact as if he's doing hand-to-hand combat. And so it's easy to take that lightly or be dismissive. Same thing true in abortion. It happens undercover of the woman's body, and so therefore, at least when we think about it or she thinks about it, it's not the same as killing a one-day-old infant, although that's being promoted now, too, by many, given the logic of abortion. So I, I think that it certainly is a non sequitur, um, because the same kind of logic would apply to a, a, a 10-year-old or a teenager that parents have obligations to care for, but that doesn't place an obligation on the rest of society to give them free care. Parents have responsibilities. That's that's what it means to be a parent, to do things for your family, for whom you're responsible, that you don't want to do much of the time. Any parent can tell you this, all right? That does not change our responsibility. They've tried to make an exception with regards to abortion because it's easy to dismiss a child you can't see. However, even when that happens, women have difficult emotional problems as a result. They're PTSD related to abortion. It's a matter of fact. All right. Um, so this is a this is another one of those kind of specious dismissals of the foundational pro life argument that it's wrong to take the life of an innocent human being um, without proper justification. If you want to add that. Abortion does that. It takes the life of innocent human beings for reasons we would never take the life of other human beings who are standing there in front of us. Therefore, abortion is wrong. There's a denial here about, again, like you mentioned, Greg, the responsibility of parents towards their children. And that's that's the way this has always worked. That's the way our society has always worked. We have always held parents responsible for their children. Right. So the fact that we will not allow someone to kill their child does not mean that then suddenly someone else is responsible for right. paying for everything in that child. As if the the uh, the starting point is no child and the fact that you can't kill him means that I'm forcing you to have a child. Right. It, it makes no sense. Um, and I suspect another thing going on here is if they're saying that if banning bor- abortion was really about babies, in other words... What they really think it's about is controlling women and forcing them to do things and and keeping them from making choices. So with that in mind, instead of the idea of you're forcing me to have a baby, with, with the idea that what's behind here is it's really about controlling women 
and not about babies because you will not pay for everything for the babies. You know, it, that's another specious response uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, where are where else in a woman's life is anyone seeking to control her for the sake of controlling her? If that was the big concern of society, I mean, they want to make it of men, but massive numbers of women are pro-life. Okay, so where is who is the ones are trying to seek control women, and where are the other areas where there is this kind of control on women? It's not there. There's no good reason to believe that the the animus is to control them. Plus, this ignores the moral logic of the pro life view. It's just a which I cited a moment ago. It's wrong to take the life of any human being. Abortion does that, therefore abortion is wrong. Now, that's the syllogism that is, that, is, uh, that is valid. In other words, the conclusion follows the premises if the premises are true. But this kind of rejoinder completely ignores that. Oh, what you're really trying to do is control me or whatever. Um, by the way, this rationale applies to other kinds of objections, too. If there was a baby in a burning uh, building, uh, that that had a lot of embryos, you'd say the baby, not the embryos. So there, you know, well, wait a minute, you, you're talking about a psychological response to a circumstance. You've not addressed the logic of the pro-life view. Okay. This goes back to something C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, ages ago in an article titled Bulverism. And simply put, he said, first, you got to show that a person is mistaken before it's meaningful to say why he's mistaken. They haven't addressed the moral logic of the pro-life view to show that it's wrong, it's mistaken, it's, it doesn't work. Rather, they just say, we know what your real motives are, your real motives are to do control women or whatever, and then they're dismissive. Notice the move. Yes, it's a non sequitur. It's an avoidance of the real issue. And there's been a, a, a slew of these kinds of things that have come out just in the last few weeks because of the challenge uh, in SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, uh, apparently, to, um, uh, to Roe versus Wade. All of this squawking that is unrelated to the issue, but it is he- heavily laden rhetoric that is meant to move people emotionally instead of meant to address the real issue of the full humanity and the full value of every single human being, regardless of where they're located, in this case, in the womb or out. Most people do not know what the pro-life arguments are, I found. I've interacted with people online, and they honestly have never heard our arguments. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. I think a lot of pro-lifers maybe aren't even aware of the arguments. The media certainly doesn't Mm -hmm. ever give the actual arguments that pro-lifers give. And so there's just a lot of ignorance out there. So maybe if somebody asks you this or somebody posts this, that's the time to start asking questions and find out 
what their understanding is of the pro-life Excellent, view. yeah. What do you think the pro-life view is? I remember Kathy Ireland, who we had some influence in training on this issue, powerful, the former model and now, um, you know, ca- captain of industry, you know, on her field of interior decorating and all kinds of things. But she uh, she's a wonderful Christian and uh, certainly a staunch pro-lifer, and we've had some role in her life in training her on how to represent this in public. And she was on Huckabee's show, and she gave this very straightforward characterization of the pro-life view. And remember, Huckabee's a pro-lifer who ran for president. And he said, I've never heard anything like this before. So I think you're right about this. Christians think, well, it's wrong. Abortion's wrong. Why? Because it takes a human life. Uh, well, we take human lives all the time in other circumstances. Well, life is sacred. All life is sacred. Uh, well, uh, the Bible says, I formed you in my inward parts. Or uh, until they come up with all of this, a scattering of loose justifications for the pro-life view and nothing like a coherent approach that deals with the issues. And this is where our material Making Abortion Unthinkable, The Art of Pro-Life Persuasion, or the same material in abbreviated form, like Precious Unborn Human Persons and the like, can really help um, make the case for the pro-life view. I, I also have a talk, I'm not sure if it's available here, but it's the one that I, uh, at Stand a Reason on our website, uh, in our sh- store, but it's called Only One Question, and that's really meant to zero in on the thing that really matters, the question, what is the unborn. And I think it's the case in a lot of moral issues that people haven't thought through them because they seem so obvious. They haven't thought through them rationally. Mm-hmm. We can look at the fact that somebody is killing a baby and without making an argument, we can see that that's wrong. And right. I think w- unless you start to add all these different things into it to try to obscure the real issue, it's very obvious mm-hmm. that it's not right to pull the limbs off of an unborn mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of people, they stop there because it's obvious, right? And they think that they can just say this and it will be obvious to others. But the fact is, there's been so much obscuring of the truth using euphemisms, using right. different arguments, that we do really have to make a case. We have to go through the reasoning mm-hmm. and hopefully... Christians will get better at this and pro-lifers will get better at and, this. And it's not that hard. It's not that tricky, the basic argument. Megan uh, Allman, uh, during our last series of realities, she spoke to that from the main stage um, that may be available to us. She did a fabulous job and uh, outlining it. We've done it in a lot of different particular areas, but it's just not that difficult. And um, and And if we don't kind of get grounded in this, we are not going to do a good job. By the way, this is why the graphic pictures are so helpful, the reason that you just mentioned. A lot of people can't kind of articulate the problem in a clear way in a discussion. You show the pictures, people can see, that ain't right. Whatever you're doing there, that ain't right. And so it's an it's an end around, not an illicit end around, but it's another way of accomplishing the same end without having to articulate all the particulars. You see what's happening there? You see what happened to that baby? That's a baby. There it is. It's obvious. All torn into pieces. That's what abortion does. That's when people see, wow, wow, that ain't right. It's hard to just call that a pregnancy. 
when you see the actual baby. A piece of tissue, yeah. The euphemisms go away. Yeah. Uh, another great resource is Scott Klusendorf's book, The Case for Life. That's true. It's excellent. And one last thing on this topic. I think it's also really hard for people to face this because so many people have been involved in having abortions, mm. including Christians. So there's also a very, there's an emotional uh, reason to hide these things from yourself. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to face that. In fact, I don't think you can face that, the truth about that, unless you also know the truth about forgiveness. Right. right. Because it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. And so at this point, there are so many women and men who have participated in this that to actually accept the truth about it would be so painful right. and difficult. So we have that extra level of of resistance to the truth here and which means you need to do this with grace and hopefully with the gospel hopefully you can actually tell them the gospel as part of this if you think that's what's holding them back because this is not an easy thing to face mm-hmm. okay greg here's a question from ethan rhetoric versus logic how should we engage out in the field where the rhetoric of our challengers though illogical remains powerful are there times Christians should use rhetoric as a tool in situations where taking time to line-by-line answer isn't as powerful an impact? Yeah, well, the word rhetoric is actually a neutral word. And when you look classically, the ancient Greeks, rhetoric was a way of speaking persuasively. So you employ um, different techniques to be a persuasive speaker. We do that at Stand to Reason all the time. We study some of those things so we can be more effective communicators. Um, however, in recent times, the word rhetoric has come to represent sophistry, which is manipulative use of language to distort the truth. And uh, and I think that's that's the way it's commonly understood now. If we see distorting rhetoric, or that's just a rhetorical flourish meant to obscure the truth, etc. Um, so, I think definitely Christians should be using rhetoric in the in the best sense of the word to make their points more clearly. I'll give you just one example. We can say. You know, thousands of kids are are destroyed every day in the United States of America through abortion. So that's a factual thing that may have some impact. But what if I said the same number of people, the same number of human beings that died on 9-11, 2,977, die at the hands of their own mothers every single day, 365 days a year for 49 years— through abortion, that's every day for almost 50 years a 9-11. Now, that's a rhetorical flourish, but it's based on the facts. Okay, the numbers are changing a little bit. That numbers used to be higher in the past, and now they're a little bit lower uh, based on what CDC reports, although California and other states where arguably they have the most abortions don't report at all. So these are conservative figures, but the point I'm making by using that number connected with that event that people understand is a horrible event is meant to capture, apply the horrible reaction to 9-11 to abortion because it ought to be just as horrible because, because the same numbers of people died, actually more horrible when they died at the hands of their own mother. 
who is a decision maker in the process. That's a rhetorical flourish, but it's not deceptive. It's not distorted. It's meant to um, underscore the real impact, what we are actually facing when it comes to to abortion. Uh, Who was it? Stalin who said, or maybe it was Lenin who said, you murder a hundred people, that's a tragedy. You murder a million people, that's a statistic. Okay, and so we use rhetoric to take um, statistics that are true, but there's no emotional impact to what's really going on. And we find a way to help people feel the appropriate emotional response given that statistic. Now, it's oftentimes, though, people are using distortive, twisted, sophistic rhetoric to make the the uh, the uh, a terrible thing seem innocuous. Oh, that's just a piece of tissue. We're just destroying a piece of tissue. Well, is that factually correct? Sure. So is so are you, a a blob of tissue? Okay, that's my response. You're a blob of tissue too. So I mean, if you just want to call it a blob of tissue, it feels like not so bad. Okay, but when you realize that every human being is also a blob of tissue, there's more going on than just tissue. Now you've taken away the thrust of that rhetorical move. So part of what we're trying to do, and standard reason is, um, yeah, standard reason is facing these things all the time, and in our shows, and in our articles, and especially on um, uh, Mr. B, Tim Barnett on Red Pen Logic. We are trying to show the foolishness and vacuous nature of these rhetorical flourishes that are meant to obscure what is actually true. Go after those. Show how the rhetoric distorts the truth. So you're using logic and reason as your foundation, and then you're watching for when rhetorical flourishes, sophistry, are being used to make something ugly and evil look just fine. And then you expose that. And that's what we're here to do to help you to do that. Mm -hmm. Just keep in mind, are you using the rhetoric to obscure the truth or are you using it to clarify the truth? Because those are two different things. And if you're using it to clarify the truth, then that's completely legitimate. Right, right. Well, thank you for your questions, LSJ and Ethan. We really appreciate hearing from you. And if you would like to send us a question, send it to STR on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or you can go through our website. We'd love to hear from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.